are listening to the podcast of Ice and Fire, episode 132 for the week of January 26th. 2014. Uh, welcome back, everybody, to I think I just said the podcast of Ice and Fire, or is it a podcast of Ice and Fire? The debate continues. But anyway, welcome back, everybody, to the longest running podcast um, about George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire. And uh, here we are talking about a couple more chapters in A Clash of Kings. So welcome back, and as always, this is Amin, and this is Kyle. Yep, it's just, it's us two guys doing our morning podcast recordings, but we have a guest with us today, so uh, please introduce yourself and say hello. Hi, um, my name's uh, Erinese on the forum. Um, I'm Nadine uh, in real life, and uh, yeah, just uh, joining the guys in the evening from the UK where uh, it's still raining, and uh, if it continues to keep raining, I might not be here for much longer because England's just going to disappear into the ocean. Well, it's raining over there? It hasn't stopped raining. <laughs> Wait, how long has it been raining for? Uh, I, I'm, I'm terrified to think how long it's been raining. Um, if my neighbor starts building an ark, I'm going to start getting really nervous. Wow, I had no idea. I've, uh, In the news lately, it's been Atlanta got two inches of snow and completely shut down. And uh, out here in California, we're in a drought. So I can't even, I don't even know what rain looks like. <laughs> No, well, here. well, I hope it stops and I hope you're safe because that can be rather frightening. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. You're, um, I'm glad you're here with us. You're, uh, you're one of the few people who are always um, active on Twitter. I, I seem to be the podcast Twitter guy and you're always on Twitter. So I'm always <laughs> there with you. So, yeah, it's, uh, I do spend quite a bit of time on my uh, Twitter account. Uh, it's because I've one of those sad little people who never lets go of my blackberry oh that's <laughs> not a sad little person there you go you got the text neck right I've, I've heard it's called i just learned this term recently the text neck mm-hmm. you're, you're always looking no, down I'm, I'm a two-finger typer i'm a two-finger typist on my uh, my little blackberry so uh blackberry still exist <laughs> yeah yeah they, they haven't disappeared into the nether <laughs> Nice. All right. We always have a couple questions when we have guests on. So, Amin, you want to hit up with the first? Sure, yeah. How, tell us uh, how and when did you get into Song of Ice and Fire? Oh, I came late to the party. Uh, I actually had no idea of this whole universe um, until Game of Thrones showed up on um, Sky here in the UK. And, uh, yeah, and as soon as the first season ended and... I found out that it was based on a series of books. I went, oh, I've got to go get these books. Hmm. So I started with Game of Thrones, uh, finished that in four days. And oh. yeah, I, I, I have a, a tendency to consume books at breakneck speed. Um, and then, Rather jealous, actually. I, it takes me forever to read a book, but <laughs> continue. And, yeah, and then basically got uh, got hold of the, uh, the rest of the series. So I, I didn't have to go through the long wait uh, that everybody else did. So I basically just went Game of Thrones, Feast for Crows in a month. Wow. And, uh, and and then, of course, spent the next 11 months going, crap, what am I going to do until season two? <laughs> nice. Now, I already forgot when. So did you have to wait for dance? I've already forgotten the time frame of when dance came out compared to the seasons. Uh, no, I think it was it was already out. And it might have been obviously in the, the delay between when I started Game of Thrones and then um, got to the the fourth book. So I, I, I but I didn't feel the wait. I, I basically and and it went even further than that. I didn't actually go to a bookstore and bought books. I uh, just went onto my Kindle and just went five books download. <laughs> That's great. That's so easy. It's uh, oh digital life. Nice. <laughs> I, I know some people like the tactile feel of pages, but. Uh, I just really wanted to get my head as soon as you finished one and you're kind of going, well, what happens next? What happens next? Download. Okay. Now I can find out what happened. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how the heck did you find us then amidst all this, this, this storm of reading and watching the magic, which is Google. (laughs) Are you a podcast listener and you were just searching for a podcast on that topic? Um, it started out as uh, I actually came across the forums before podcasts, and it was just sort of by accident that I found out there was a podcast sort of linked to the forums because it was just a case of all oh, these stories and these people, and I want to discuss them. And, and you know, and my husband is looking at me like, please stop talking. <laughs> uh, 
and uh, I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know who these people are. And um, so, <laughs> who are all these new friends that you have? What's going on? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it, it was a case of found the forums, and then lo and behold, they said, you know, there's a podcast out there as well. So, and then I, uh, I started listening to, to the podcast as well. Well, I hope you'd know there's a podcast because at the top of the forums, it says a podcast of Ice and Fire, right? Well, it was, it was actually, I'm, I'm not blonde, but I have moments. Okay. <laughs> I think that's an interesting route to come to it, actually, to, to see the community first and then to go to the podcast. Nice. Interesting. I'm a very social person. So, yeah, I, I'm not surprised that that's how I uh, sort of found it around that way. That's great. But you're really into the podcast. I think you, you, I'm pretty sure you have a copy of like a Flight of Sorrows collector's edition, right? I actually have, um, I have the Flight of Sorrows, well, both copies of Flight of Sorrows. I've got the E edition of the first book and then the print uh, collector's edition. Hmm. And, but I've also went and got the, um, there's another series um, that I found on Kindle as well, which is just sort of, um, it is known, um, sort of the explanation of, uh, I guess it's a comparison of the, the TV show and the books, which oh. uh, I actually found quite interesting as well. And then I've got the uh, Beyond the Wall. I, I, like I said, I consume books just like, a, you know, they're like junk food to me. I just sort of dive in. And a healthier form of junk food, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's excellent. Some people smoke crack. I read books. Hey, I, I like that alternative. <laughs> I'm all down for that. Yeah, they should give it to the Toronto mayor. <laughs> You Canadians and your your crack smoking mayors, huh? Yeah. Um, so, who is your favorite character in the series? It's got to be Arya. Oh, such a common answer. Well, <laughs> the thing is, is I, I I do really get her in both pre socio uh, social you know homicide way and you know, before <laughs> and, and afterwards because my, anybody who knows me would say I've got the wickedest temper, but you know, oh. a, a, but at the same time it's sort of, sort of like blow hot and then. Within 30 seconds, I've completely forgotten what I was upset about, and then yeah, it's all laughs and let's have a drink. But uh, I, I mean, I cannot. But I totally understand it. I mean, I'm a tom. I was a tomboy when I was a kid, and um, always got a lot of uh, stick from my, uh, my my little sister about. So it's like the opposite. Well, my sister was Sansa, and I was Arya. Oh. So uh, it, it's there's so many weird little sort of uh, similarities that. Uh, I try not to think too much about because then it'll start sounding a little bit like, what the hell was George R. R. Martin looking in on my life at? <laughs> nice. So don't make her angry, I mean. Yeah, don't wake the dragon. Don't wake the dragon. <laughs> no, that's, she's a Stark, not a Targaryen. Oh, it's Come like on. the wild wolf thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, used to, I used to live in Canada, so I'm from the Great White North. You're from Canada? Yeah, I'm transplanted. Oh, well, I'm outnumbered now. <laughs> Alien, eh? All right. Fantastic. Any other questions there, Mean? No, I think we're probably good to jump into the chapters. All right. Yeah, let's uh, let's do it. Let's jump right in. What's our first chapter? We have chapter 50, Tyrion, what is it, 11, I believe. Yeah. So uh, lately we've been ha- asking our guests if they want to do chapter recaps. Would you care to recap it for uh, us? Yeah. Um, I, I kind of cheated and went to the tower of a hand but uh we never do that around here yeah uh (laughs) but i've I've condensed it even farther um so uh it starts with basically Tyrion is preparing king's landing for stannis's arrival sir balan swan and sir osmond kettleback are raised to the king's guard uh and um so we starts with Tyrion's uh sees shag and his stone crows off burned men left two days ago followed by the moon brothers and the black ears Tyrion is sending them into the King's Wood to raid and harry Stannis' army. Tyrion is uneasy without his clansmen. He has 800 sellswords, but cannot trust their loyalty. He's promised Bronn and a dozen other knighthoods after the battle, but he knows they will not die for a knighthood. In his audience chamber, Tyrion deals with several traitor captains complaining about seas to ships and then rushes to the investor for the two new Kingsguard. Sir Balin is replacing Sir Preston, while Sir Osmond is replacing Sir Boros. Uh, Tyrion then sees Lady Tanda there, but not Lollies, which disappoints him as he had hoped to see Shay. When Tyrion returns to his Salar, ha- um, Hallen is waiting, as are messages brought by Maester Franken. One is an old from old one from Prince Doran Martell. The other is from Vale and Greyjoy. He admits Halen, who tells him there are 13,000 jars of wildfire ready. Tyrion thinks he's lying, 
but Halen claims that the spells are working better. <clears throat> the newly made Lord Jason of Rossby comes in next. He has returned from the castle with a few more levies. He reports that Tolman is safe and that the plans have been made to spirit him away if necessary. Then finally, Barry's comes to report a new conspiracy. A group of traders, merchants, and craftsmen, calling itself the Antlermen, has armed several hundred followers to seize the old gate and admit Stannis after the fighting begins. They believe he will win and want to share in the reward. One of them is Solorin. Tyrion orders their arrest. Mm. A good Thank review. you. Thank you. <laughs> is this the last time we ever see the uh, the Wild Men? Hmm. I'm trying to think if it's the last time we see Shaga or like and yeah. In person, yeah. I think you hear about them, but I don't think he actually. We don't actually see see them again. Mm. I just remember my first reread. I was he had all these wild men with him, and then all of a sudden I was reading, and then I'm like, where did all these guys go? I guess I, I missed the beginning of this chapter the first time I ever read it. They take off so quick. I'm like, where did they all go? They have an important purpose. Like, I mean, they're raiding the scouts, and I think that helps. It ultimately helps the Lannisters take Stannis in the rear because <laughs> the scouts get taken out. Mm. So it was a smart move to send them out there. But I think they're kind of like renegades now. They're just out, out in the forest. The last I checked. Yeah, because they end up. I mean, I think they're mentioned later on, don't they? Uh, yeah. Some of them like head back to the Mountains of the Moon, I believe, don't they? Or um, they sort of kind of, mm. they're a little bit of everywhere after this. They, they sort of melt back into the underbrush, it seems. Yeah. Hmm. Let's see. What else popped out for you guys in this chapter? Uh, at one point, uh, they're talking about like... T- Tyrion's talking about like different things that Tywin said, like military stuff, and he's like basically bad mouthing the City Watch. He's like saying City Watch men is not a soldier, but I found that interesting because I don't I don't know if it's where in the books it talks about this. Maybe it's Princess of the Queen, maybe it's the RPG, but apparently Lannisport has a pretty like badass City Watch, like pikemen and stuff. So oh I really? Found it in- interesting that he's bad mouthing like his own watch. He has a pretty effective watch. Maybe he meant like he trained a normal well, watch. You say like that. his own watch, but yeah. he goes to the point and he says most of the watch is Cersei's watch. Mm. Yeah, I think this is it. Is, is Cersei has managed to sort of find key figures and obviously the little posses that are within there. Um, she's sort of managed to get to most of their ears. Mm. Or it just could be that Tywin trains his men more because of that. Like he, his, his are the exception. Usually watchmen suck, but he's, he's made them into something good. But mm. Let's see what else we got here. So we get the knighting of, uh, what, Sir Osmond Kettleblack and Balon Swan. Mm. And uh, what has Balon Swan done before this? What Have we seen him before? This is kind uh, of the first time he pops up, because we learn that he's in the pocket of Bronn. I think he, always... made a, he makes a joke or something, like, uh, and Varys tries to get him reported. He's around. He's one of those characters that, that is there, just hasn't done a lot. Okay. And he slowly yeah. gets pulled into the, more into the story. Gotcha. But you find out Almost that it just becomes more. It's not even so much he comes become gets pulled into the story more. He just happens to be where things are happening. Hmm. He's not. I don't think he is actually doing anything. Okay. Now remind me again. Who's the who's the knight the 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 white knight that tries to kill Tyrion at the battle? Sir Mandon Moore. It's Sir Mandon yeah. Moore. Okay. Yeah. I always forget. So none of these guys. <laughs> oh. All right. And remember, yeah. uh, we get the whole Rosby thing and Tommen in this chapter, which we were discussing um, a f- couple episodes ago, I mean, about where did Tommen go? Like, did Tommen actually go off anywhere? Because he's, he's kind of gone and then he comes back and you don't really hear much about it. But we actually get some details in this one about how he, how he <laughs> is at Rosby. And uh, I'm yeah. a little confused about what happened over there. Do you guys know exactly? Uh, I think we'll, we'll go ahead. No, no, I'm just, I was just saying, because I've made a few notes on my Kindle um, that uh, I'm not sure what you mean by, like, what, what's he been up to. So far as I can see, he's he's just sort of chilling out there. Um, I'm reading here, uh, he reports back, let's see, um, Tyrion is asking how, um, how does my nephew fare, and... Uh, Rosby basically reports that Prince Toman is hale and happy, my lord. He has adopted a fawn some of my men brought home from a hunt. He had one once before, he says, but Joffrey skinned her for a jerkin. (laughs) Sounds like a Joffrey. Yeah. (laughs) It's weird because obviously we know that killing small animals is, is a definite, definite red flag as far as sort of having sociopathic tendencies. It's yeah, like Joffrey doesn't have any of those. 
Yeah, I think we were confused by the TV show because we were remembering that because he was like Tommen was still in the city in the TV show, but in the books okay. he's taken away because it wasn't safe to have him there. It was better to have him away in case the city fell. But but yeah. something happens. Okay, so so Cerberus Cerberus Blunt uh, yeah. is charged with taking Tommen to Rosby. Along yeah. the way, they're inter- intercepted by Sir Jocelyn Bywater. Uh-huh. Who who's by, who's by isn't Bywater working for Tyrion as well? Yeah, he still wants Tommen to be safe. He just wants it under his control, like it's under like that as a balance against Cersei. He still wants to keep him safe, but now it's under Tyrion's direct control. Yeah. Oh, okay. So Tyr. Okay, so Cersei sends Sir Boros and Tommen to Rosby, but then Tyrion wants control, so he sends Sir. Jaslyn, Sir Bywater, to take Tommen from Boris Blunt? I think that's but, pretty much But they're correct. all on the same side? This is what yeah. I'm confused about. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure where he was going with Tommen. I'd have to double-check that. It would make sense they were probably still going to Rosby, but I, the point is that they took it under Tyrion's control. He wants control over Tommen, and they're both I happy think... that he's out of the city, at least, during the... Yeah. Well, Cersei was um, pissed off at Saboros uh, because um, when they were intercepted by Sir jo- uh, Jason. Uh, they basically just handed him over and went, yep, you can have him. And obviously, uh, being a Kingsguard, you're meant to sort of lay down your life and die in uh, protecting the royal family. So yes. handing them over <laughs> at the first sign of trouble <laughs> is probably not the best way to advance your career. <laughs> but I'm just confused why why Boris Blunt would need to fight. Like, why... Why would he have to put his life on the line to defend the prince when the prince is just gonna go with another guy who's in the same on the same side as you? Like it's yeah. it's not like Rob sent Bywater to take Tommen away. It's like you have the queen and the hand of the king both saying we're gonna protect Tommen, and they're mad because one of them was like, okay. Yeah, I think the thing is, it's not really that it was like a logical decision. Oh, he's still on my side. It was just such a cowardly decision. Like maybe ultimately it wasn't the wrong decision, but it wasn't motivated by logic. He was just scared. He just gave it up. Like he didn't even really care what it was. And that's why even Tyrion criticizes him. Yeah. He was just a coward. A- maybe if he thought it out logically, it would have made sense to, to give him over. But I don't think that was the motivation. It wasn't like a logical thing. He was just like, no, I don't want to fight for him. Yeah. So he's just lazy. He's not stupid. He's lazy. <laughs> or maybe he's smart. He's like, well, I'm not going to die when the I'm going to be able to protect the prince anyway. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Listeners, please explain to me what's going on here in the comments. Um, but uh, yeah, so so is so they mention they they bring up Boris Blunt and his cowardice here. At the same time, they're talking about Osmond Kettleblack taking the white. Is that? Is he replacing Boris Blunt? Yeah, that's, that's what I yeah. seems seem to me. Yeah, he is. Okay, so they just kicked Boris Blunt out because he because of this act of cowardice of not protecting Tommen um, from his own men, which I don't understand. Um, so Boris Blunt is just out. Yeah, yeah, although somehow he comes back later on. Like, but yeah, it doesn't make sense because isn't don't they make a point of saying like the Hound is the only or the Hound and and um, or excuse me. Uh, um, Barristan Selmy are like the only ones that have ever left without dying, right? Well, Barristan, that thing's opened the can of worms, basically. After that, you could just kick people off or something like that. So just making up their own rules now, huh? Yeah. But you said Boris Blunt comes back. He does. I mean, he's, he's there as a taste tester later on. So I don't know if somebody else died and they just put him, him back. Or <laughs> he's still there. He's still there at the end of it. Ah. <laughs> oh. But so does Pycelle. I mean, it's just like they put Pycelle in the cell for a long time and then they bring him back. Oh, let's see. A storm of swords. Sir Boris attends a meeting of the full King's Guard. Jamie places him in charge of tasting Tommen's food. Yeah. So, uh. Does it say between that? Like, what is he doing before that? Um. I'm just reading all his appearances here on Tower of the Hand. So. Clash of Kings. Um. Like, it would make more sense if he was just, like, suspended and he came back. And, and this so Osmond was replacing somebody else. But the way it's written, it seems like he's replacing Boris. Yeah, but so. I, I, I get the feeling like Boris never leaves the Kingsguard. So, there must have been, he, so Kettleblack must be replacing somebody else. He has to be. Hmm. I need the list of Kingsguard right in front of me, but I don't have it. So, okay, all right, all right. Well, 
Another thing uh, I noticed here, which goes in the general idea that uh, Tywin sent Tyrion to, to be a scapegoat, basically, is he has to burn down all these buildings that are too close to the wall. It's like things that needs to be done but are going to piss off people. Why not have Tyrion take the blame for it? Yeah, but I mean, those things, haven't all those things been built somewhat recently? Like, Tywin hasn't been... Um, no, it wasn't like that specific thing, but I think he knew that Tyrion would, would do what was necessary to survive a siege, even though it's not popular. Okay. Why not have him take the blame for it and then show up later? Hmm. That would be the sort of thing he would do, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, let's see what else we got here. The two letters were pretty interesting. Like one from Doran, like Doran is keeping Tyrion informed of what's going on down there. But Balon in general, like Balon, this guy who says he doesn't want to like have deals with people, is just like, hey, let's let's have alliance here. Hmm. What I don't understand is why he's more than happy to uh, Balon is, is is happy to have a an agreement with Joffrey, but it's just sort of like when Rob sort of basically told you know offered him the same thing, he's two fingers up and went, nah, I'll be taking it all, thank you. The, well, the thing is, Rob didn't phrase it in the best way. They, like, here he's coming from a position of strength and offering the alliance, but ultimately that's just an excuse. I think he's just a coward and he's scared of Tywin. Tywin hasn't whipped, so he doesn't want to go against Tywin. It's basically... I don't know, Tywin from the books is pretty damn scary. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> yes, he is. Reminds me of my grandmother, but that's a different story altogether. <laughs> what? <laughs> Tywin reminds you of your grandmother. Oh, she liked to give harsh lessons. Damn. Oh, here's a line. It says it right here on Tower of the Hand. Sir, um, a furious Cersei made Joffrey strip Boris Blunt of his white cloak, and he is now held in the dungeon at Rosby. Okay, so he was stripped, but then he gets it back eventually. All right. Well, Sorry to backtrack there, guys. Actually, that makes perfect sense because, you know, if he, they bring him back and he says, well, you can taste the food, so if it's poison. But he's still technically a, like on the. I think I think probably Tywin's like, well, we shouldn't be just kicking people off the thing. Although he wants to take Jamie off, but he, he's trying to keep the tradition of so he brings them back even though he sucks. Yeah, it's probably Tywin to bring him back. But hmm. <coughs> sure, we'll well, I'll just have to remember this discussion when we come across the chapter where he's reinstated. Hmm. Uh, so we got Lady Tanda and no lollies. We have Dragon Pit here, actually, which is cool. Talk about the Dragon Pit and how it was abandoned like a century and a half ago. Like, it's directly yeah. relevant to Princess and the Queen. I have, yeah, exactly. I have a total different idea of uh, the Dragon Pit and stuff now hmm. uh, after reading Princess and the Queen. Have you have you read that, Nadine? No, I, I have to. I still have to get it. Um, unfortunately, I've just recently got a puppy, so my, my reading schedule has gotten a bit wonky. No! What happened to this consuming books? Well, uh, um, there's, I had to leave at least a half hour to sleep. So, What's your puppy's name, by the way? Uh, my puppy's name is Rhaegar. Yeah! Yes! <laughs> oh, I thought I that... should have... In hindsight, though, I'm thinking he's a black lab. I probably should have given him a black car name. So he almost named Damon. Hmm. Oh, man. Awesome. I love it. I want to like a horde of dogs now, and I just want to name them all different Targaryens and stuff. That's what I'm, <laughs> I'm just thinking about dogs. What are we talking about? Well, that's not till next chapter. Dragons. Right? Yeah. Oh, dragons, dragons, yeah. dragon pit. Yes. <laughs> so they find a cache of uh, of wildfire underneath the dragon pit, which makes sense because if Ares was uh, pl- putting stuff around and mm. in hope or in planning out that he could just burn all of King's Landing, uh, that would be a significant part to make sure it got burned but uh yeah it's 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 crazy it, it's it makes me wonder how much how many underground tunnels or whatnot are all over king's landing because they said there were there were a couple whores or there were several whores um using the abandoned dragon pit as their uh as their layer of pleasure and uh mm-hmm. one of them like or one of the patrons fell through um fell through this floor and thought he was in a wine cellar and drank one of the wildfires, which is... <laughs> oh, boy. His it, night went from good to bad. It refers to uh, even Duncan Egg, because it's like a prince who tried that once, and I think that's Egg's brother who yeah. drank that stuff. So it's just like all these little connections. Arian, yeah. the right flame, right? Yeah. So. In terms of uh, dragons, actually, we get... This is one of the source quotes where people think that dragons are the things that, that uh, increase magic. It's because because they're making all this wildfire and it's more efficient. And he's like, oh, are there dragons around? Because magic went out when the dragons died. Yeah. yeah. Well, now, this is uh, this is one thing I'm, wor- I'm wondering about, because 
Now, technically, were the eggs that Daenerys was given, were they considered dead then? Because when she pulled them into the fire, um, you know, when she put them in the funeral pyre, was it magic that brought them back? Which means that magic existed before the dragons, or were there is enough? Was there enough magic within the eggs themselves that caused the fire to be enough to, to hatch them? The chicken or the egg? There um, was magic floating around before the dragons came back, like even even related to Drogo. So I, I I feel like this is one of those times where even though things are like related, is not causation. Like the dragons died and the magic went out, but I think that the magic was going out anyways. That's just a sign of it. Not that the like, three dragons can increase the magic everywhere. Like, how do they do that? How do they increase the magic, like, all over the place? Yeah. I, um... The way this was worded, and I don't have it right in front of me, but, um... It says, magic began to go out of the world the day the last dragon died. Which makes me think that the dragons come first. The dragons cause the magic. And so, as long as there's, like, dragon eggs in the world, there's, like, a little bit of magic or whatnot. If all the dragon eggs vanished, I bet there would be no magic in this world. But once the dragons hatch... I'm sorry? Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just reading the quote here to see what he says. Um, he says, yeah, he, I remember some, I'm remembering something old wisdom politer told me once when I was an acolyte. I'd asked him why so many of our spells seemed, well not as effectual as the scrolls would have us believe. And he said it was because magic had begun to go out of the world the day the last dragon died. Yeah. And, and it just sort of goes on and goes, sorry to disappoint you, but I've seen no dragons. I've kind of noticed around King's uh, justice lurking. <laughs> but we know better. Um, well, that's just that one guy's line who says that. Like, it doesn't mean anything. Well, they could just be a symbol of the magic yeah. kind, like the magic of itself. That guy back. interpreted it that 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 they were caused it, but it, yeah, it just could be a symbol. Like it just it could be either way. I think they're I think they're related. I think they are, and I think the dragons cause the magic and not the reverse. That's my personal opinion. Now, and a lot of people follow that opinion. Like that's the way there's a, there's a divide there. Mm. So. I haven't cool. made up my mind yet. That, uh... <laughs> so, so before the dragons were reborn, you're saying because their eggs were hanging around, that's why there was magic going on. Because there's still magic going on. Yes, and I, I yeah. but because they were rock eggs, they weren't. They weren't even. They weren't even regular eggs. Yeah, but I mean, it's got you got the DNA in there and shit to make a dragon. It's just not. Well, it's kind it's of just like dormant. the argument. It's kind of like the argument. Well, are seeds dead? You know, it's, it's a yeah, bit exactly. Are they dragon seeds? Exactly. Exactly. So. uh... Yeah, but just just the wording began to go out of the world when the dragons died. So as if the dragons held the magic, and when they died, it yeah, slowly. Yeah, that's of what that one guy thought. That escaped. doesn't mean that's what happened, right? It's just what wisdom politer like some. Well, it does. It is what happened. It's like oh, that's, that's all, the, all of our stuff was working, and then all of a sudden, it just kind of the potency started vanishing as the day the last dragon died. Like that sounds like a fact to me. That sounds like, like I, a, a view of one guy saying it, like. A, First of all, how did he tell? Is he keeping a calendar on the magic? And the day the dragon died, suddenly the magic started going downhill. Like it's well, he's a pyromancer, so he was making wildfire, and then all of, so one day he's making a hundred jars, at, and then uh, the dragons die, and then the next day he can only make eighty jars. No matter what he does, he can't make that hundred again. Yeah, if he had like an experiment like that, and that happened, that'd be a good way to tell it. But maybe he could make a hundred twenty before and had gone to a hundred. Yeah, like, we and don't know. It, we don't have enough information. And then it goes so, down. Yeah. I believe him. He sounds like a very trusty, trustworthy individual. <laughs> uh, I, I think that magic is, is almost like a natural force where it's, it's like tides, you know, that sometimes the tide is high, sometimes yeah. the tide is low. And that dragons maybe are a symptom of when the tide is high. They, they appear when, when the, the tide of magic is high. And when, when there is, you know, magic is sort of subdued a bit, then yeah, they, you don't see the dragons. Interesting. Food for thought, folks. Mm. Food for thought. What else have we got? Anything else? Only two guys? things for me. Yeah. One is they talk about like Tyrion has basically set up this high septon, like it's under his control, the puppet that he put there, and they're talking about Stannis and how he might burn stuff, and they say that uh, Tyrion says basically he burned the old gods, the gods, but he might he might as well burn the new ones. But I'm pretty sure he actually did burn the new ones. Maybe the news didn't get to him. So I think he's burned like the seven at, at Dragonstone, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So it's interesting that he didn't mention that. Well, it might just be that they're not aware of like, yeah, that, not aware that, of it. that yet. They're aware of the godswood, though. So they're aware of half of it, but I mean, you don't always get a hundred percent information from your spies. 
I know they don't have Twitter. They don't know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> we, they're, they're not even using BlackBerry yet. So <laughs> that ancient device. Yeah. And the magic went out of the world when 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 it when it they stopped <laughs> using them. So we do get this. Servers went down, so they couldn't send email. <laughs> Uh, we do get mention in this chapter of uh, Balon Greyjoy and how Balon sent uh, sort of terms. He's like, hey, we should chat, figure out what part of the kingdom is yours and what part of the kingdom is mine, and uh, talk about an alliance. He's just such a dumbass. I mean, even Tywin says later, it's like, what can he offer us? Fight the Starks? He's doing that already. Just let him do it. Like, he should have made the deal beforehand if he's even going to make a deal with them. Yeah, he never... I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I don't think anybody's ever accused uh, Bill Greyjoy of being the, you know, the sharpest, <laughs> sharpest tool in the box. Crazy. Well, he's supposed to be like, I mean, his brother, uh, Aaron sees him as like a prodigy and he was like the, the great Ironborn man, but it seems like they're just shit. I think since the, since the, the rebellions and sort of the whole business, when that actually led to Theon being taken as a ward slash hostage, um, get the impression that he hasn't sort he sort of lost his edge a little bit he's, mm-hmm. he's just um this bitter old man sitting on his sea stone chair plotting ways of you know, how to take you know take revenge back on the starks and that's really all he's got yeah that's it that's all he does that bum <laughs> so talk to me about the antler men guys mm. what's up with these dudes do we see them again I'm, I'm having a hard time remembering if they actually ever do anything they got well, antlers then, stapled on their head, I think. Like oh, Jesus. <laughs> or something like that. Or they get flung outside the castle. But I think uh, it Jesus. mentions in Tower of the Hand, I noticed like that a lot of them were in debt to the crown or something, so they probably wanted to switch allegiances. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Well, anything else about this chapter, guys? No, that's all I got. Uh, Do you have anything, Nadine? Uh, well, uh, the only notes that I made were that... Um, in, in comparison to sort of TV show Tyrion, um, he's not quite so personable. Like he's smart and and everything, but he in the in the books he comes across as almost um, obviously he's he's pissed off at you know the fact that everybody sort of just looks at him as an evil dwarf and uh, and not much else. But it does sort of he, he is a lot more cynical. He's he's a lot less personable. Um, and um, even a little bit more sort of serious and sarcastic, or serious you know, or sarcastic when he speaks to people. You know, that's the only thing I had to uh, add to that. But he, but and and he is starting to obviously he's he's come to terms with the fact that he's never going to be the loved hand of the king. So he's he's basically just sort of decided to disregard whatever everybody thinks of him and just get things done. Yeah, get the job done exactly. Yeah, he says he won't be known as the loved king of the hand. He'll just be known as the competent king of the hand. <laughs> uh, it's crazy how much they just hate him. And no matter what he does, no matter how many times they, he saves them or anything, they just, it just looks down on him. And it's well, A lot of the, the stuff that he does, I don't think anybody really is aware of it because um, most of the stuff that, like, uh, things like, uh, obviously, they haven't gotten to it yet, but most of the good things that he has done have been covered up. Um, and either the it's been given the credit's been given to somebody else, and I don't think anybody even knows half of what he's done. Yeah, I'm sure they Joffrey gets all the credit for the good things. Uh, well, it's definitely spun that way, mm. and it's and it's obviously fed back to, to Tyrion as well. Anything that's good for the king is good for you. So, oh God, he just gets the shaft. Oh, I just want some recognition for Tyrion. <laughs> I just feel so bad for him. Damn. If only they could see what we're seeing. <laughs> Anywho. Yeah. Like I said, it's not as personable. He doesn't help himself. He does. He does come across as a little bit snooty. Yeah. Because you know, it, you know, yes, he is a lot smarter than the people he deals with, but it doesn't help to keep telling everybody that you're smarter than them. Yeah, that's very true. Hmm. All right, well, on to Theon, guys. We're going to do uh, Theon, what are we on, four? And uh, I guess I'll give a brief synopsis of this chapter. Um, pretty much Theon wakes up, Bran, Rickon, the two uh, direwolves, Osha and Hodor, Mira and Jojen. Oh, my God, there's a lot more names than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> have vanished from Winterfell. They go out after him trying to find him, and they fail miserably. And that's this chapter. Um, in a nutshell, 
So uh, let's let's chat about it, guys. What's going on? At first, I was wondering what's Wex sleeping there beside the bed. Like, was he there the whole time, or did he show up later? Yeah. What what up? What's up with little puppy Wex? Like, <laughs> now Wex is Theon's uh, um, lap dog. Squire, actually. Squire. That's yeah. the word I'm looking for. <laughs> lap dog. Yeah, that fits yeah. it too. He's actually yeah, quite he, intelligent. He's Theon's squire, right? Yeah. And I don't know of any of those squires that sleep on the floor next to their their knights. But he's not Th- Sir Theon, is he? Mm, no, I don't think he was ever knighted, no. Yeah, because they don't knight in the north, so he's not a knight, but they still have squires? Yeah, okay. Uh, Even the Ironborn probably don't really, like, they don't really have, like, sirs. They don't care about it, right? It's more of a... The apprentice, maybe? Phenomena. Mm. So he's his lapdog. That seems to work best here. His <laughs> <laughs> lap. Yeah. So once again, we've seen Theon being douchey Theon and sleeping with the stable girl and later on talking about banging the miller's wife. And so Theon's being Theon yeah. in this chapter. Um, Although, he, I mean, some people say he's a bit of a sex addict. I mean, like, he, he has all these like he's like banish the phantoms. I'll just go have sex. So it's like he kind of does it not only just for the sex, but kind of just to he's kind of addicted or it's kind of a coping mechanism for him. Mm. I think it's a coping mechanism and yeah. how he validates his existence. Yeah. He has no power, so he just tries to take it out in the bedroom. Exactly, yeah. Hmm. Poor Theon. Um, he's very passive. Like, he's kind of like Mafia Justice or something. He's like, Micken killed himself and like Benford did this. Like, they all made me do it. They, yeah. yeah. You made me do this. He yeah, why are you like making that. me do this? I don't like killing you. I don't like doing this. Why are you making me feel bad kind, about punishing you? It kind of sounds oh. like sort of like what um, Ramsey does to him later. He's like, oh, well, you know, you did like <laughs> you uh, he just turns the tables on it. He makes him feel responsible like, oh, I shouldn't try to run away because then um, if I do, I, I'm going to lose my fingers. And uh, mm. that's my fault. I, I shouldn't do that. It's not your fault. I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have re- tried to run away and save myself. Hmm. I actually, um, I made a note here because uh, there is a, there was a quote from um, the, the actor who played Harry Lloyd um, was, was asked about a particular scene. And uh, and how it was written, and he and he, he talks about a quote where um, when George is writing characters, he he kind of obviously slips into their heads, and he he sort of envisions them sort of in their minds. They are the hero of their own story, and that to me just the conversation, you know, or how Theon is dealing with everything. It's like, you know, I'm trying to be nice to these people. Why are they not? bowing before me and kissing my feet and <laughs> why do they hate me so much it sounds so emo that that's great though that that everyone thinks they're the hero of their own story and i think mm-hmm. that makes that makes the writing and that makes the character so interesting because you're like from our side we're like oh god no but then if you kind of went into his head for a second you'd be like uh, i mean you'd have to kind of bend it a little bit you gotta you gotta really get into his head but yeah i could kind of see where He's like, I'm trying to help you, but you're fighting against me, so this is what I gotta do. And if you just wouldn't fight against me, then nobody would die. It'd be okay. Um, He's so screwed up. He just this idea that you know he he knows that there are uh, two ways that you kind of lead people. You either lead by by fear, so they they they're scared of you, so they they do what you want, or um, they respect you. So obviously, he in his head. He, he wants to be, like, I think he's really conflicted because obviously he's got um, what Balon is telling him where it's better to be feared. Mm. And then you've got sort of growing up under Ned and Ned is it's better to be respected. Mm. And I think that's sort of just completely screwing with his head because on one hand, I don't think he's either got to go whole hog one way or the other. He cannot try and, and be both. He cannot be both noble and feared. He's either got to be the bastard and go all Joffrey on their ass so that they never cross him, or he's he's got to start sort of really acting like Ned would. And I think that's the biggest problem is that he's he's so conflicted in how he deals with these people. Because on one hand, he seems to be really it's almost like he's treating the people of Winterfell like Ned would, and then he's treating all of his Ironborn like Balon would. Hmm. And it doesn't work because obviously the people who are sort of the Ironborn are looking at how he's treating the Winterfell people and he's going and they're thinking, hold on a second, there are, you know, they're under us. Why are they getting the better treatment? And then the, the people of Winterfell are sort of looking in the other direction and saying, well, look how he treats his own people. Well, you know, how do we, how do we trust that? How do we respect that? 
Yeah. Interesting. Good point. I mean, and then they and they have confusion because like his men they raped that woman and he does the right thing and like, he punishes them. Them, but his men are like they didn't even expect to be punished. Yeah. They then his understand. men are like, uh, "What are you doing? Like, uh, are you on their side or are you on our side? What's going on here?" I like the uh, the quote where where they're comparing Osha and Asha and like how she's as unnatural as Asha. Even their names sound alike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn you, HBO! Yeah. I don't want Yara. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Reek is here as well. I mean, like, I mean, well, Ramsey, right? And he's like, strip off the skins. He's showing his true colors. His yeah. lips glistening. Oh, he just so desperately wants to flay someone, doesn't he? Yeah. Oh, he does. What's the quote that he gives? You know, a, a, a tortured man has a few secrets. A flayed man has none. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Naked Ugh, man flayed. Gosh. So anyway, so yeah, they wake up, the wolves aren't howling, so Theon's like, there's something going wrong, so they go, the kids are missing, um, the dire wolves are gone, they find out Hodor's gone, the traitor Osha's gone, and uh, so they take off after him. They they have tracks leading out of the castle. Now, when the, the tracks leading out of the castle, is that everyone's tracks, or is that just the dire wolves? I think it starts out with everyone's, and because they've got the dogs following the scent, dogs are following the scent of the dire wolves. Yes. And nobody stops to go. Well, hold on a second. There's a few less tracks here because it's okay. you know. So when do the tracks that, stop? Do they do the do the like Hodor? I, I'm gonna go with Hodor tracks because he's the heaviest amongst them all. But um, so do the Hodor tracks go all the way to the river? I wasn't looking at the tracks at all. In fact, I don't even know if they actually ever left the city or not. Uh, oh yeah, they left the castle. If they did, they, they, they the doubled city. back briefly, yeah. right? Like they oh, oh back. you mean uh, who the the escapees? Um, yeah. Yeah, because I'm, they're I'm, hiding I'm, in the crypts ultimately. But the question is, like, how far did they go if they went before going back to the crypts? Exactly. How far did they go? That's what I'm curious about. Were they just not paying enough attention? All of a sudden, the track stopped, and they just were kind of. Uh, was Theon just sort of like, "All right, let's keep on going." Like, don't well, were even they following it, the tracks or? from the very start? I think they were following the scent, and then eventually Wex, for example, starts talking about tracks. Yeah, it's it's only until Wex brings it up that uh, on the other side of the uh, the water that you know they're. They haven't been following because even when they go back and they, they, you know, they can't find where the tracks, so they can't find the other set of tracks. So it must have been a case of that um, they were following the direwolves, assuming yeah. that so, uh, the direwolves would never leave the boys. It seems like Wex is smart enough that he would have noticed that beforehand, or was it just because? Um, it's because of the mud he, there, right? Yeah, like, I was going to say he didn't notice it until they reached the mud because they were on like hard, frozen ground because it is the north. Yeah. So yeah. footsteps are harder to see. So it wasn't really noticeable until the mud that yeah. there were only the wolf prints. Okay, I can I can I can go with that. That works for me. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, when I first re- I read it, I thought they had they had left too. Like everybody thinks they would leave. Nobody would think they would go hide in the crypts. That was a pretty smart thing to do. Because yeah, they couldn't, they couldn't really escape. Like they would have, as Theon says, they should. They could have easily caught them. They did not can't go quickly. It was them, but the wolves can go. And um, what else happens? And then Wax, not Wax, Reek comes up with the idea for the Miller's kids. And how does he do this? Because they they have the they have the direwolf brooches from Bran and Rickon. Yeah, he brings some of their stuff, basically. From the very start, he brings that bag from the start. I guess he had an idea they could fall back on this. Oh, yeah, he had. they mentioned that, how he has the bag from the beginning. So he must have uh, had that idea all along, just in case. Yeah, it was a backup plan. Backup plan, exactly. Um, plan. <laughs> he knew, he knew. And you're right, it basically comes down, Theon wants, he'd rather be feared than to be laughed at. That's why he goes with this method. He's just so he doesn't want to let. I mean, it's all it all goes back to daddy issues, but yeah. he just doesn't want to let he he doesn't want to let his dad down. And then his dad sort of goes on to like now he's got his troop, his troop of thirty men and everything. He doesn't want to let them down. He doesn't want to be like, oh, we f- I failed you. He wants to come back with something. It's always like he needs to he needs that approval, that stamp oh, yeah. of approval, which totally stems from daddy issues. Yeah, and Asha, I mean, like, he was. Well, what he did, he could, he could never have held Winterfell, but if he had just left with Bran, Rickon, and kept them as hostages and just went back, that would have been a pretty big blow, even worse than it was. Yeah, that would have been intense. Then he would have had... Um, hostages uh, there. He would have had the Stark forces on his tail there. Um, Roderick. 
<laughs> no, I mean, it took for Roderick forever to get back. He could have easily just left like the second he took Winterfell. Oh, yeah, he would have been gone. But I mean, as soon as Roderick got back to Winterfell and found out he was gone, Roderick would have been on his heels, you know. Yeah, <laughs> Roderick. Like, he would never would have caught him. But no, he would never have caught him. They would have just gone back to the mo- to the Deepwood Mont or whatever, and then that would have been it. They would have had then then Asha would have married Rickon eventually. So what did you guys think was going to happen? What did you think was the deal at the very end of this, the first time you read mm-hmm. it? I didn't understand it. I was like, what are they talking about? You mean right when you finished, when we finished the chapter? Yeah, yeah. What did you think was going to happen? What was your uh, initial idea? Well, because up until that point, I'd kind of already sort of sussed out that Reek slash uh, Ramsey was sort of a pretty ruthless character. So like, I... It's because they, I'm, I'm just trying to find the actual uh, the actual passage, but um, you do sort of get the impression that uh, he's already sort of because he does make note to the fact that there were two kids, and it's just sort of like I I, I was kind of thinking, will he actually? Or I, I, so it was either a case of if he fought, he he's coming away with two boys. If he finds Rick and Bran, yeah, dead. Uh, but if he finds the Miller's kids it's not going to end well for them either. Okay. So you, so the next chapter, next Theon chapter, when it finally gets there and we see the two kids hanging from the wall, you, you had a good idea already that those were the Miller's kids, huh? Well, I wasn't sure who they were. I was a case of there are two kids not coming out of this alive. (laughs) At at that point, I wasn't, I wasn't 100% sure if it was the Miller's kids or the, uh, if it was Bran and Rickon. I wasn't sure who it was. It was just a case of, it, it was, it was just, it wasn't, uh, um, I knew that they were not, they weren't going to survive. It's more a case of something bad is definitely going to happen to those kids. Uh, maybe he was going to kill the kids to get to Bran and Rickon because they were hiding them. Cause obviously it was Bran who sent them to the Miller. So it was, you know, I, I was thinking more a case of he might hurt the kids to get to Bran and Rickon. Hmm. Crazy. I had no clue. <laughs> yeah. This is why you you read so much. You catch on to these things so quickly. I just read it and I was like, oh, I don't know. There's some mill. I guess they found yeah. out where they are. Okay, next chapter. <laughs> like, and then I can't keep any of the King's Guard straight. <laughs> well, welcome to the club on that one. I don't know who's who. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just uh, I feel like the first time I read this, I was just kind of like, oh, all right. They, uh, they got a plan. Uh, don't know what it is. We'll see. Didn't know like I thought he was going to use it maybe as a trick. He was going to say, "We found them. Look, what we've got. We've got. We found their brooches. What have you done with them? Going to mm. pick your legs and tell us where they are." There you go. And where did you think they were the first time you read? I thought they were hiding somewhere on that farm. I, I, that's yeah. what I thought. I thought they were with. Uh, they had left, and somebody had protected them. Like Theon was worried. Like somebody over the north would have helped them. Mm. I don't think Osho would have allowed them to to actually i think she would have trusted the kids but maybe not adults because obviously adults you know the miller might have said well um you know i i I don't know where they are like he he probably wouldn't have given them up but he probably would have said as soon as they were gone you have to leave you're putting my family in danger now yeah that's very true because that's just how adults think whereas kids are like we'll be best friends forever (laughs) <laughs> but there were there were other places they could have gone to. Theon was thinking like there's all these other places they could go to. So it's it wasn't that they would have gone there. But there's no way of us really knowing first reading it. Yeah. Yep. yeah there was only one other thing in the chapter I wanted to mention is they talked about the Cranach men and how they were related to the children of the forest. Might have learned some things from them. So that was pretty cool. Oh yeah, they yeah. do they do mention that. Yeah. And also they say like you, that uh, the Howl and Reed could make like. Moat Kaelin a hell for Victarion, which is basically what happens with all the poison yeah. arrows and stuff mm. there. And that's why, uh, by the way, the poison arrows, which we've talked about before, I feel like maybe maybe poison was what Howland Reed used against Arthur Dane. That's something that could have turned the tide if it wasn't something magical. Hmm. So. We do get um, a little history of the Boltons about how they used to flay their enemies and wear their skins. Mm. It's very... Uh, um, the faceless men, sort of style. Maybe the faceless men originated from House Bolton so many years ago. <laughs> All those faces hanging on the wall. <clears throat> area. That just creeped me right. And they put them on. It's very uh, oh oh what's it oh, what's the movie uh, Fava Beans? Um, no 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 no. Silence of the Lambs. When yeah. he has a guy's face on in the in the elevator, and he just takes it off and just 
eats the guards, whatever he does. So he flays the guard, he turns him into an angel. Oh, yes, but he takes his face and he no, puts he it on. No, he took the other guard's face. He took the other guard's face. He took some guard's face and put it on. Yeah. Ugh. One guard he flayed and put him up like an angel, and the other guard took his face and then his uniform and pretended like he was had been attacked. There you go. Silence of the Lambs, House Bolton's movie of choice. Or or uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Leatherface. There you go. <laughs> so uh, I think that's all we got to say about this stuff. Do you have anything else to add, Nadine? Um, no, I've, I've pretty much covered all my notes here. Excellent. Well, uh, yeah, I think that was a good uh, good chapter recap of those two. So we got nothing else to say. No, no news, I don't think. No, not really, I think. So, uh, wonderful. Well, I guess that does it for this episode. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Nadine. It was a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. I hope you don't uh, get rained out of your house. That would be awful. <laughs> I'm on the top of a hill, thankfully, so it's my neighbors. Okay, <laughs> not on the side of the hill, right? You're on the top? Uh, yeah, on the side of the hill, actually. All right, well, that scares the living crap out of me. Thank you for... <laughs> oh, my God, that's frightening. But, well, thank you for joining us. Um, as always, continue to uh, keep up with us. We're on Twitter at APOIAF, on Facebook, on our forums, all over the place. Make sure you keep up the conversations. Uh, and thank you guys so much for listening. See you next time. Hello. Don't be frightened. My name is Maester Bane. So, you think you know A Song of Ice and Fire, but you merely adopted the series. We were born molded by it. We didn't watch Game of Thrones until we were already fans. Join us on the Vassals of Kingsgrave podcast. The Dragon Fire Riders. Well, thank you so much. It, it really was a pleasure, and um, I'm glad I finally got to chat with you um, in more than 140 characters. I know. That, that drives me crazy. That's why I started using Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Are you following Amin on Tumblr? He's a, he's a Tumblr man now. Yeah, yep. There some very cool artwork and some very screwed up artwork as well, but uh, most of it's very cool. Nice. All right. Well, um, that's that. I think Amin and I have to uh, be on our way, but um, cool. it was a pleasure. Please come back and chat with us some more. Thank you. You have a great day. You guys too. Bye. Right. Ciao. Care. Ciao. Hey. Hey, man. It was good. Um, the only thing I'm worried about, though, is the audio quality. I have to go in and see. I don't know if you heard, but the quality was not good, just the mic. Yeah, I could yeah. Yeah, I could hear that. I'm yeah. a bit worried about that. I mean, we'll, we'll, I'll still release it, but the thing is that I might wait till we do next week's episode and release both at the same time. That sounds totally reasonable to me. Then I'll be fine. Okay. Yeah. Good, man. I guess I'll talk to you later, then. All right. Sounds okay. good. You take care of me. Cheers. Bye.